So here I am, growing older all the time, looking older all the time, feeling younger in my mind. We're about to take up some of your time with a couple friends of mine. One of them's Matt, one of them's Liam. We're holding on to what I am, pretending we are Superman. Hello and welcome to the Dad and Sons Podcast. The George Weedman 31-year spectacular. Don't say that number! Ah! <laughs> Happy birthday, My George. Right. Only 31, George? Yeah. I guess. I know, right? I guess. That's not that. I'm. George, you know I'm older than you, right? I don't like thinking about it, though. What, you want I to didn't be know older I was than older. I didn't know I was older than George. Matthew is the oldest one on the podcast. That is going to shock some people. That's, gonna, that's shocking me. <laughs> that's shocking me. <laughs> what else will be shocking people is I actually have good audio for once. Liam, you sound so much better. I know. I just can't believe it. And 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 this wasn't even that fancy of a change either. It's just like placement and, and positioning and, and the poop filter. I figured out how computers work. Finally. You called up your grandson to help you fix the computer. <laughs> I've turned 30 and I've joined you guys in calling up my grandson to help fix my emails. So uh, Liam has, has a fancy armature now and a pop filter. Same microphone, but I cannot believe what I know it's crazy. Just those those two items I've are some, are like some, night and day. Some spiritual blood magic to get better. I can't fix my voice though. Sorry, everybody. I'm still the whiny English guy. No, I, really. <laughs> no. Yes, sexy beast. I, I don't have those <laughs> deep dulcet tones. Well, I like George. I feel like I can turn them off and on depending on whether or not i'm like angry at the moment like a self-talk uh, character <laughs> what are we what are we doing what are we, here what, what, what do we want to get into here what are we what are, we're getting older all the time but we're feeling younger in our mind i played a lot of games this week you'll be surprised i i, I played some uh some games all i've seen games. matt do all week is play hunt showdown I, I played Hunt Listen, Showdown. That was for the and... community. That was for the Discord. <laughs> the dad and sons and daughters. And daughters. We played some uh, Unfortunate Spacemen, which I got destroyed oh, in. Oh, I'm jealous. That I looks like not to play that game. fun. <laughs> you don't, you didn't, it didn't, it didn't hook you? Was you the Unfortunate Spaceman? No, it was, it was fun. I had to go. I had to go early, but like, we had like a few games and... I didn't know how to play at all. And the people who did know how to play, you could see they knew how to play. They it's had their perks up and everything. Yeah. I played a monster one time and got destroyed. I was like, when do I do this? How do I do this? Like, it doesn't even give you, like, how I had to, like, alt tab and say, all right, how do I change into a monster? <laughs> we kind of breezed over the title. This is Unfortunate Spacemen. Yeah. A um trouble in terrorist town like game, but with uh polish and and, and, and graphics, um and humor. I and it's free. I really like. Oh shit! I didn't know that too. The the bullet points keep going. I did know that, and that's the only part of the game I know about. How do you play? What do you play? <laughs> I thought it was cooperative. Somebody mentioned it is. I don't know. It is okay. It is. It's like Dead by Daylight, right? Um, where one person plays uh, okay, the right, the evil okay. person, except um, the spacemen are um, the, there's a lot of them. <laughs> you can have they're, they're very unlucky. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing that, like, I mean, we, we had, like, 10 or 12 spacemen and then, like, one monster. So you're going around and completing objectives, and the, the monster is trying to catch you off guard, you know? Like, so the monster can is one of the spacemen, right? And you don't know until it oh. changes. Yeah. And you That's can cool. disguise yourself as different spacemen after you've killed someone, too. You do it from the beginning anyway, but like you can kill someone and like disguise, disguise one of the security bots, anything, go through the events, the, the events to get to different parts of the, the spaceship or the map. The spaceship was probably like the scariest one because it's like super dark, but like we, we started playing on this open map, which was significantly more harder to, to um, just openly attack people. So so it feels cooperative, except one of your teammates is lying to you and yes. trying to sabotage yes. you. Ooh. And we that only is used really we, cool. We only use in-game chat, so it's proximity chat. So it was, yeah, it, was it was pretty man. good. It was pretty good. Man. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty good time. It was a pretty good time. How does it play then? How like obviously, yeah. What are you doing? Apart from obviously trying to find the monster, but what are you doing? Is there like mobs that you have to keep taking out? It's weird objectives like clean up debris and communication shit just um, to get the shuttle to come. And once the shuttle comes, you get on and um, the the monster could get on with you if you if they want. And the, the, <laughs> it does a scan to see if one of them are the monster. But you can also attack them while they're in there too. So like, I don't know, like it's it's basically... You do objectives, a ship comes and takes you off home. You got to make sure that you find the monster before then or kill the monster before then or get away. (laughs) Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I love it that it seems like a lot of quirky FPS games that are big on mind games and deception and stuff is is a thing right now. I I, I don't know if you want to... uh consider valorant part of of this trend but it seems like like remember when rainbow six siege came out and there was a controversy over how it had no single player mode and that struck me as kind of weird growing up in the age where where counter-strike and quake engine style games were coming out with no single player by the boatload but i I think we're we're back now full circle multiplayer only quirky novelty modes are are like fine there's a lot of unexplored territory and games like this are starting to do that and it is super unique like i think dead by daylight has kind of sparked uh some creative imagination and what you can do i mean you Mm -hmm. don't always have to do the uh what was it what was that game called the one with the giant monster what's it called evolve evolve yeah like you don't always have to do that like one versus 10 and you're super overpowered it almost feels like evolve could have worked had history gone oh man if evolve had come out now i think we i think it would have done okay right <laughs> but i feel yeah. like like evolve was just slightly off it was generic though it was rather generic giant monster you know chasing people well dead by daylight succeeded and i think yeah, but it succeeds on its horror element right it's not necessarily just the gameplay it succeeds in creating an atmosphere that horror games or horror in general is known for which is being chased right the anticipation of being chased and you're not necessarily taking out the monster you're just basically trying to survive which i think is a flip on that and that's why maybe that is a bit more appealing 
uh, in comparison. Yeah. Yes. I was just wondering why that game is so incredibly popular and successful as it is. And even if you... Is it free? It's not free, right? It's... I think it's cheap, but they make their money with the DLC. It's it's free on Xbox Pass. I think oh, okay. It's, yeah. So a lot of people can play it. See, that's the thing. A lot of these games have the barrier of entry of only knowing people, which is tough, right? But I complained about it last week being in this time zone, but yeah. I swear if you ask most people, they'll tell you that the gameplay in Dead by Daylight is like just kind of fine. Like, like it's okay and good, but not great. Even the like super dedicated fans I know who play it regularly and have like wanted to get me into it will openly admit that that it's still kind of not a uh, a galaxy brained depth and complex four <laughs> D chess sort of experience. So that helps it, right? That barrier entry, that barrier to entry is even smaller. Way more popular than you'd expect it because it's Quirky simple. I mean, we talked about Fall like Guys that. a lot, right? <laughs> like, we're not just you know they're very well polished, but the actual like ability to ju- it's like Matt's talking about this game, right? And he even after a couple of games doesn't quite understand how to play and what what the difference between a good player is and somebody who isn't. Yeah. And whereas you know, if you you can tell the games, difference though when people play as a monster. You can tell the fucking you difference. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they like, come out, they eat you, and then they go back to in the floor or whatever craziness they figured out, and they <laughs> heal, and they wait for their chance again. Like, they know exactly what areas, like, people are, are going to be alone at. It's, you can tell. How, how do they force the unfortunate spacemen to split up? Split up, gang. We'll cover more ground that way. This is normally like people just think that they can just go on their own. Uh, it, it's some people are just kind of okay with going on their own. Like it's it's subconscious. I think you know you're some people stay with each other regardless the whole time. Is there like AI mob enemies alongside the monster? There's security bots, but not okay, on all okay. maps. On the second map we played, there were security bots, and the way that. Uh, uh, one of the guys got me. One of the sons, and uh, they <laughs> they popped in um as a security bot and walked straight into the wall and turned around and looked at me. And I was like, "That looks suspect." <laughs> <laughs> and it just fucking explodes into a monster. I'm like, I'm waiting for a new weapon. Yeah. So every time a, a new play. weapon spawns, because you only spawn with a pistol, a new weapon spawns on the map. And you go towards the new weapon. The monster also knows what the new weapon is. So I'm going to get the shotgun. And the security bot walks in and just fucking explodes into a monster and eats me. Die! I die immediately. <laughs> That'll immediately. teach you to trust the security apparatus of the authorities. Yes. Yes. I already had an excuse, but yeah. Yes. Now I'm yes. really... <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but was it fun? Like, ultimately, yeah, yeah, it was, was absolutely. It but most of the games I we we play on the Discord is pretty fun. But yeah, super yeah, fun, guess, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that speaks to why these games are super popular, right? Like community yeah. co-op and community. When you maybe like you know you were talking about Valorant before we jumped on, right? And it's kind of hit and miss whether you're going to get somebody who's abusive or somebody who's not. But like, if you're playing. <laughs> Even, you know, competitive games with people yeah. you know, 
if you're playing with George, it can be a little, a bit of a handful sometimes. Mm-hmm. What? The no. abuse is overflowing. But mm-hmm. no, uh, I'm I, I'm a perfectly <laughs> graceful loser who never gets salty when things aren't going my way. <laughs> Your graceful loser is the opposite of what you are. <laughs> I am a very friendly, competitive uh, uh, personality. <laughs> but generally, mm-hmm. if you play mm-hmm. with people, you know, <laughs> generally there are, there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, yeah. You you're going to have a great time, regardless if it's mm-hmm. co-op or. And that's the thing about having this Patreon Discord. If you need people to play games with, we have people playing games all the time in that Discord, and it is fucking great. How, how do these unfortunate spacemen make their money if their video game is free to play? I didn't see a store, but I guess it wasn't in my face. Okay, okay. Was it, is there like a progression system going on? There's progression. You have to unlock a bunch um, of stuff. They never said buy this. Um, there's also uh, there's also like a bunch of stuff you can customize your ship character, your spaceship character with. Yeah, I like I like these helmets. Astronauts. They, uh, yeah. There is a death quite proof a few edition. So there is an edition of the game that you can pay for. Death. Yeah, and it's twenty bucks. So in that you get unique shit. So kind of like a founders pack. Do you remember founders packs? Do you remember when that was a big deal with early access titles? Founders yeah. packs. My gosh, man. Man, what what happened to video games? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it, it kind of ties into the game I want to talk about this week. Yeah. But it's short because this game came out in early access and like has fuck all content in it, which is really frustrating. And kind of Really? Yeah. Which one? So Oh yeah, but it was early access. You can't be frustrated. Well, okay. I know. No, not Risk of Rain. No. So I did I did pick a Risk of Rain, but I mean, I really enjoyed playing it solo so far, but it is tough and like I feel like it yeah. would be better with multiplayer. So I'm kind of waiting yeah. for a time when we can have a session in the Discord. A couple of people yeah. have reached out to say they want to play it, so that's cool. Um but no, I downloaded Rogue Legacy 2. I thought we were on that last week. No, mm-hmm. so it was coming out. It was coming out. Oh, I didn't, okay. It, you know, I was looking forward to it uh, because I really liked the first game. Obviously, it was one of the games that came out around the same or maybe just after like Super Meat Boy and mm-hmm. maybe a couple of years oh. actually after that. But it was kind of one of the early. Looking a little fucking rough. Yeah, it was one of the early um, indie titles, right? Oh, that did. I always like the pixel art. Yeah. So Rogue Legacy 1. Uh, which I guess we need to now call it because two is out. Yeah, um, was <laughs> a, a really good game, and you know, kind of kickstarted this roguelike, roguelike uh, thing alongside Spelunky of being quite popular. This niche genre now overtaking the world. Um, so the second one was coming, and the mechanics looks the same as the original, but you know, expanded mm-hmm. upon uh, with more types of disabilities, quote unquote. And also, you know, additional classes, I think. Um, downloaded it. Uh, it's 20 bucks. It's, no, it's fair. And it's an early access, right? So they're obviously going to be working on it. And I will admit, let me let me double check. How, how many hours have I actually played it on Steam? Because I, I have played it for a fair bit. So I played four hours of it, right? So it's still early access, but I played four hours of it. Um, 
And if anybody who knows what Rogue Legacy is like, if you imagine just the first castle of Rogue Legacy that you have to try and get through. So obviously it's a roguelite, so we call them biomes. First biome is the castle. Well, Rogue <laughs> Legacy 2 is basically only the castle biome so far. So even when you get to, like, there's like a bridge and you can kind of go to the third area of the game, like the second area doesn't exist at the moment. And you can get like a sneak preview of the third area, but it's not finished. So you're essentially just getting the first area of this game. You know, it's randomly generated, so every time is different. But once you sort of figure it out, like you do with Rogue Legacy 1, it's rather easy, and it takes about 10 minutes to get through. So you're basically only paying for 10 minutes, and you're just farming for gold so you can get more items. But there's kind of a cap on the amount of items you can get. Well, amount of upgrades you can do on your castle and stuff like that, because obviously the content in the game can only go so far so at the moment um so basically play dead cells instead it's still good though so this is the thing right i'm i'm up not upset because you should expect it with early access right and that's what early access is it's what it says on the tin you're getting a sneak preview of a game and i'm totally all for early access because it gives the opportunities for devs to release games and root profit to continue on development that is totally fine but you know, Rogue Legacy 1 was a massive success. Success, You know, you think Rogue Legacy 2 at least have enough funding to be... I know they made another game prior to this, um, before, after Rogue Legacy 1, uh, that didn't do so well, so maybe they needed the money. But the game is really good. It's like Rogue Legacy 1, but better. And actually, I really like the artwork. The new artwork in, like, HD, not in a trailer, like, in front of you, really pops, and it really suits the game style. It's still kind of quirky. Uh, some of the new uh, like uh, disabilities or whatever you want to call them. Um, disabilities. Uh, are really cool. Like Synthesthesia is really unique. And uh, there's like a Game Boy Effect one that's called Nostalgia. <laughs> and, like there's also Really? It makes everything like green? Yes, it does. It makes everything green. It's like the oh, worst shader adorable. effect ever. But, it, it, you know, there's one that makes everything bloom really badly. A couple of them give you headaches. They really fuck with the screen a lot that it almost is headache inducing. And I think they had to turn a couple off because it actually was giving people headaches and they were reporting it. So be careful of that. But it's good fun and it's really tight and it's just more Rogue Legacy but with additional features. And I'm sad just because I'm beasting through the castle now with the uh, the Ranger class, which is easily the best class. And I'm flying through the castle and there's all sorts of new power-ups you can get when you do these trials. So you can find like a dash power-up, but to get the dash power-up, permanently you have to go through this really long trial and to do the trial you basically have to fail it like a couple of times to understand the layout of the area because that never changes even though it's randomly generated and yeah it's really good and i'm really enjoying it i just wish there was more and the the teasing fact is they have like a patch notes thing right on the front of the screen when you load it which is great but it's like days until next expected patch and it's like 60 days and i'm like 60 days Whoa. is so long away <laughs> i want Whoa. more content now but it's good so if you like the first game and you don't mind the fact that it's a sneak preview of what the full game might be eventually this is a good game i'm actually quite impressed so far i think the art looks really nice it is definitely more of the same though i was just about to ask how how you think of the art cuz one of the i i really really enjoyed crisp clean pixel art of the original game 
saw some screenshots of the new one and was like, uh, yeah, no, but I then was when I saw it off. in motion, was, it was totally different. I was completely put mm. off until I started playing it. And when I saw it in action, it is, it is really gorgeous. It's yeah. really nice. And some of the new effects they do like fire and stuff looks really good. It's one of those games that looks very different in motion than in screenshots. It looks like free to play mobile title, like that, that cartoony pop art feel to it. Like, Thick black lines, kind of family guy almost in look, you Reminds know? Reminds me of uh, the behemoth or Newgrounds. Yes, it's a little on that and a little on the family guy side of things, right? It's like dead in the middle of that. The family guy side of things is something I'm going to be using from here on out. Thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> but then when you play it and you see it in motion, it looks really nice. And the effects in the game look really nice. The animations are super nice. It's a, it's got, it's like, it's Rogue Legacy with a lot more polish on top of it. Yeah, it does look good. And I, I'm really enjoying it. I just can't play anymore mm. because I've kind of played all of the content there is now. And that was only like four hours, which is fine. You know, I'll play another four hours in, in 60 days. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I guess so. I, just want more. I, guess, I guess, I mean. Hey, Celador Games. I, wanna, I want more. I played a lot of games this week, guys. It's a surprise. I, you're going to have to carry us, I think. It's like a, it's like a, a, a carry-on. I, I just played the same from last week and watched a documentary that I'll talk about a bit, but that's neither exciting. I'm not exciting this week. You're exciting this week. Okay, so alongside Rogue Legacy, I played a lot of Oz games. Oz, so Risk of Rain, Rogue Legacy, Ring Fit Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I mm. bought I bought Ring Fit. I I I I wish I had bought Ring Fit a long while ago. So, I bet if I had done that I would have been happier today. It's I'm 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 yeah, I'm not surprised. It's expensive. Did, did, did you have a hard time oh, finding it? Oh, that Switch game. Oh. Yeah. So it finally came Yeah, so I got a notification on Amazon that it was in stock. Oh, good. And it was like $120. The factory's got fixed. And I was like, "Oh, Jesus. Oh, that is expensive." And I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. If I pay a lot for it, then maybe I'll more be more inclined to use it. <laughs> maybe that, it'll be better. That never works. But I got it and it came and I was like, okay, you know, it's two peripheral bits. One that you wrap around your leg with a Joy-Con in it. And then one that's a big ring, ring fit. And then you put the Joy-Con into it. And um, I don't know what to expect. Um, I've seen videos of it and I was kind of intrigued when it first came out, but you know, just like Matt, go to the gym, lift weights and stuff, kind of like have experience with true exercise, true exercise, you know, exercise. <laughs> um, and I was wondering, you know, is this going to help be more consistent Hardcore. routine indoors? Because I can't go to the gym and stuff like that. And, you know, put on a few of those old quarantine pounds that I want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, this game kicks your ass. Good. It is mind blowing how good this game is at getting you moving oh. it oh. is oh. absolutely fantastic i honestly don't have How? a bad word to say about it it's really? it's so it's so good like you want to burn 300 calories a day 50 minutes to an hour of ring fit you f- you're flying right that's you know you could run on a treadmill for an hour but it's fucking boring as hell what do they get you doing well, they have like they have work? a they have a lot of content in there, right? And in the beginning, it's kind of overwhelming, but it kind of directs you in a you know a good way, typical Nintendo way of of doing things. Um, but they have an adventure mode, which is like an RPG. It's like a, it's like a, it's almost like um, what's that game? Uh, 
uh, the Sega Saturn on Panzer Dragoon, right? You know, on rails <laughs> RPG <laughs> where you're shooting things, <laughs> but you're doing that whilst running. So you're running on the spot and it really can tell how hard you're running. Like if you're oh. lifting your knees, if you're moving at pace, it hey. knows because there's a Joy-Con with a gyrometer strapped into onto and, your leg. And, and you're like swinging it. As your legs go back and forth. So while you're running, you're holding the, the ring, ring in front of you, right? And okay. then you squeeze the ring to like blow blasts of air, and then you can pull it to uh, like vacuum up stuff, right? Kind of like a big Luigi's Mansion vacuum, you know, sucking things up. It really works. And the technology typical to Nintendo from what they've learned from the Wii and stuff like that is amazing. It's completely one to one. And Depending on, you know, the different settings you have, the band, the ring you have changes like the tension, right? How much you grab it, the resistance changes. So it's like a real true resistance band. And on the strongest setting, which I have it on, it is fucking hard to pull that thing apart or to, you know, press it in. It really is quite amazing how it works. And it's just got a little joy cone in it, you know, holding into it solid in place. And you're throwing this thing about and, you know, nothing goes wrong with it but anyway so what you do is when you're on the adventure mode you attack enemies right you run into random battles not random you can see them but you know rpg style random encounters and you have to then fight them by doing exercises right so each of your exercises has like an attack power right so you'll get to choose almost like an rpg combat attack so you'll do like a squat right and the squat will have an attack power of 30 and the idea is that you choose squat Choose the enemy you want to attack, and then you do like 30 squats. And every time you do a squat, it like deals damage to the enemy. It's fucking amazing. Right? And it fucking hurts. When you've got it on like quite a difficult setting, it requires you to do like 30 squats, but you're holding it and it has like a timer, right? It has this the game is full of polish. It's so well polished. You know, it, you can feel the rumble, like that HD rumble in the thing. And as you're holding it, if you, you know, the lower you are, the better. Like you go Super Saiyan almost. And like it builds up and you can feel it and you're holding it and you can feel it rumbling like to a build up. And then as soon as it's like release and you're like, ah, and then you do it again. And you're like, it's like powering up and you're like, and it's great. And you deal damage and it feels good because, you know, you let go of the squat and then. The rumble hits and the enemy, you know, de you deal a punch to the enemy and it's really quite superb. So you have all different types of exercises, cardio exercises. So it'll ask you to do knee lifts uh, and, you know, it does reps of these things. So you do like 30 knee lifts and that fucking gets you sweating. Um, the stuff that makes you push and pull in the ring. So like you'd have to do like. Almost if you're doing resistance band work for like your biceps, like you have to do like in and out like holding it in and you're like, you know, your arms are starting to give way and your shoulders ache, but you've got to keep the resistance in to deal the most damage to the enemy. It's pretty crazy. So the better you do at the exercise, the more damage you do to the enemy. And the, and the game can really tell when you're slacking off. If I'm barely pushing that thing in, the game knows it. So I have to really squeeze it and I really have to hold it tight for like 10 seconds and then let go and I'm absolutely knackered. So you can go through the adventure mode and it has like a story and you're beating this really buff, sexy dragon up because, of course, he's a buff, sexy dragon. And it's really charming. I, I, I didn't know that Nintendo was branching out to that segment of their audience. So again, this time, I guess. Oh, yeah, they branched out hard and it paid off. That dragon is buff and sexy, Dradnell, whatever oh, his name oh, is. Oh, 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 oh. 
typical Nintendo polish about things. It kind of looks a little like a Zelda game, if I'm honest. The environments are gorgeous, and the character models remind me of Skyward Sword Zelda. Um, looks great. And then, man, it gets you jogging between enemies. So while you run into enemies, you're jogging the whole time, and you're like vacuuming things up. So you're pu- pushing and pulling on this really tight resistance band, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, so you'll go through the adventure mode. It'll ask you to do different types of things. But then on top of that, you know, it has like custom workout mode. So you can select sets to do different parts of the body. So you can choose the upper body set and then it'll give you a load of workout for rep, you know, reps for different workouts for your upper body. So, you know, both, uh, different yoga poses or different like reps of like closing and opening the resistance band. And it's honestly amazing. Like I'm so impressed with it and I've used it every single day since I had it and my legs and my arms just ache by the end yeah. and I'm buckets of sweat doing like 300 to 350 to 400 calories a day. Um, it's good shit. Like if you are struggling during quarantine with exercising and you really want to make sure that you're at least looking after yourself or getting in some exercise in a fun way, because I know cardio is the worst shit in the world. It's so boring. I fucking hate it. Um, this is really good, and it, and it's not it's not like we fit. You know, it's not boring. You know, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working. Like we fit. You know, standing on the balance board and all that kind of nonsense. This is working, and this is getting you moving, and it's getting you like really enjoying it, and it's very good at rewarding you. Like an RPG is. At, good at rewarding you it's it's a good game i'm highly impressed by it honestly if you're thinking about getting it it's expensive but if you're willing to like dedicate you know doing it at least a couple of times a week you'll get your money's worth in the end i think uh there's so much content in there they have a rhythm game as well that do you know you can play uh do old nintendo tunes which is pretty cool and also if you like become a healthier person and have a few extra years to live that's probably worth the money too yeah so i was looking at like because obviously they have the custom the custom you can create custom workouts so i was trying to find like i went on the ring fit reddit and i was looking at like you know how many calories can i burn if i do this workout and stuff like that And i was trying to find custom workout plans that other people had made and, you know, people's stories of, like, dudes losing, like, 50 pounds thanks to Ring Fit, guys who got to, level, like, a level 100 and they've dropped, you know, 20 to 30 pounds and they feel so much healthier and that kind of thing. It really, compared to, like, Wii Fit or any other peripheral that Nintendo have tried before, this is really impressive. And the game itself is fun, I will admit. Like, the whole taking on the dragon, fighting enemies, using exercise to actually deal damage to enemies, it's novel, but... It lasts a while and it makes you feel good. And you and then there's some sort of strategy to it because enemies get harder and you have to like drink these, you know, smoothies that are basically like RPG power ups. <laughs> and you have to really plan out because otherwise you have to do the exercise again. And the, <laughs> the last thing you want to do when you failed to kill an enemy is to do an exercise again. I can't I hate doing squats. I can't do squats very well because I've got really bad knees and like. When the game is like, you didn't hold that squat, you got to do it again. I'm like, fuck you, Rinfet, please leave me alone. I, I'm trying my best. Game kicks your ass. Are physically 
active fitness games the one place where if you die in the game, you die in real life? Maybe. Maybe that's what's next. You have to insert the Joy-Con into your heart, and then as soon as you died in the dragon in Ring Fit, you die in real life. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, A, what's going to happen if, if someone dies while playing Ring Fit Adventure? And B, what year is it going to be when Nintendo finally releases a peripheral that you have to insert inside of yourself to some capacity in order to measure <laughs> your heart rate? Or, or the chemical composition of your saliva or something as part of the gameplay. For your full playtime, please insert the suppository now. <laughs> We're going to measure the chemical composition of your ass to help beat the bad guys. Oh, it looks like you may have pancreatic cancer. Please visit a doctor at your next convenience. Take a break every 15 minutes. <laughs> How much is Ring Fit? So it cost me $120, but it's meant to be about 80. Cracking myself up over here. Let's see how much it is in um on American Amazon right now. So yeah, it was sold out in Japan for months and months and months. Um it was impossible to get hold of unless you paid, you know, arm over leg for it. I'm glad 80 I did. 80 bucks. 80 bucks. Take that, it's Liam. In stock October 10th. Oh, so we got to wait a couple months, but we do get it cheaper than you, so that's cool, I guess. I would, I'm glad I paid the extra $40 to have it three months earlier, because by October, I'll be as buff as a dragon, and you'll be wobbly jelly. <laughs> I'm already there, dude. <laughs> 31 and wobbly as jelly. I, I gave up on the gem. I, I had to buy like a whole like variable dumbbell set. So that's the thing is, like, I have one, right? I have a dumbbell set, and I, I've worked that into the routine of, like, same as when I was in the gym, where you do weightless yeah. and then go do cardio. But ring fit, honestly, after doing, like, overhead presses and ring fit and honestly, like, really using it, I can barely lift them. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. I need to have a bath. Fuck this. I need to recuperate. It's, it can beat you up. <laughs> it's amazing. I've, I've gone back and forth in terms of like how in shape and satisfied with my body I am over the years but one thing I definitely believe in after all the 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 highs and lows is that I don't think the gym is really necessary there are there's definitely ways you can work out at home but I feel like there's a mindset you get into when you're in the gym that means you optimally get the most out of it um but it takes ages to build up that mindset I don't know about you Matt but it took me ages to build up the mindset of I enjoy the gym, which <laughs> if you ha don't go for a couple of weeks means you have to build that mindset up again. Yeah, I and it's never. fucking hard. You're like, eh, I don't go. whereas when I can do ring fit at home, I'm like, hey, this is great. Doing it, doing it at the gym is easier than um, I felt like I, I just now had to build up doing it at home like i have to build it up doing it at home because at home i'm sitting here yeah there's so much going on i'm looking at a a list of things i need to get done because i have not fucking done it <laughs> i'm like it, it's funny like you get everything done one day and then all of a sudden that shit just piles on and it's so frustrating and they're like oh yeah you have to work out too now Yep. So cut out the middleman, buy Ring Fit, and then turn your PC off, and then go to sleep. 
if the workout is fun and part of your routine, you don't really. And that's the, my, my strategy. Whenever I do start losing weight, it tends to work out for me. Like I'll start um, counting the calories and I will notice the math checking out and I've never seemingly had an issue losing or, or gaining off of some sort of predictable schedule. But I think I managed to fix a lot of those problems with the motivation by uh, 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 kind of needing to walk everywhere or ride a bike everywhere or putting myself in a position where I can't just drive where I want to go means I got to get some sort of exercise to get there. It inspires you to do more. Like, for example, recently, it's been making me want to walk more because after my aircon broke, the one thing I wanted to do was get out of my apartment a lot. And I went walking just because I can listen to yeah. like, podcasts and stuff that mm. I would do anyway. And obviously, I very luckily live in Kyoto, which is, you know, incredibly beautiful. Oh, man. And I found like a local temple near me that I didn't I didn't even know about before. And I've started walking up that and it's on like God, the top I of a hill. That. And that hill looks over all of Kyoto. And now in the morning, I to go get coffee, I will walk through that shrine up to the top, you know, get a nice view of Kyoto and, you know, get some coffee. Before I just sleep in until like 10 minutes before I have to work and then <laughs> Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Maybe there's two kinds of people in the world. People who regularly take a walk and people who don't. Because I definitely feel like I've turned into something else this year. The thing with walking is to get the actual benefits. I mean, this is for people of our age, right? I'm not talking about elderly, but to get the benefits That's of so walking, you. you have to walk a long time and you have to walk far. Right. So but any is better than nothing. Any, like you're you were built, your body is supposed to be walking. Yeah, not but to make it like beneficial for like long term and, and you know, you gotta be walking five to ten thousand steps, right? To be having some sort of calorie de deficit that will, you know, balance off maybe overeating and stuff like that. And there's also the back and just the like endorphins mm. that go my, into your mental oh, health. Yeah, if you're overeating, you're oh, if you're yeah. overeating, then you ain't you ain't gonna lose no weight walking. I'd say yeah. that. Yeah, that's a done deal. But my my point is that walking like that takes a long time, right? So it's off putting, especially like as Matt says, yeah. if you've got a shit ton of stuff to do, I want to be like. Exercising for 30 to 40 minutes, lifting a bunch of weights, get super sweaty, kill myself, and then still have time in the day to be able to do other stuff. And yeah. that's my only thing days. about exercise that I've always so had a problem much. is just how do you fit that shit in? Like that is I, I get hard. more energetic afterwards. Like I'm more productive after the exercise. So I want to, that's why, yeah, if you put it earlier in the day, you like get a boost for the rest of your day in my body. You absolutely do. And like, the one thing that Ring Fit does that I don't do enough of, which I really appreciate it for, is it makes you stretch like before and after during cool downs and stuff like that. Oh, and that would be so good for me right and now. And the stretching is really good. Like it, you know, it's a good five minute stretch. And I feel super flexible <laughs> compared to the quarantine jelly I've been for the past three months. Have you guys ever gotten so bad? That you get a muscle cramp when you're in the bed stretching when you're waking up. Because, like, as someone who used to regularly bicycle my entire adult life at least three times a week until this fucking year where I haven't done anything for, like, six months now, like, I actually noticed a few weeks ago I will cramp in my legs from, I guess, the shock of them turning into jelly after them usually feeling like, like 
muscly, sexy biker legs. They they do not like what transformation is happening them to them right now. And I don't know. Have you guys gotten that bad where you like actually cramp just from stretching in the morning? I definitely ruin my back sometimes doing stretches. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I can't. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. It's only been a week. I've done it every day. So that's seven sessions so far. But I feel like I'm going to carry on doing it because of the ease of use and also the fact that uh. it keeps me engaged. And it looks great. It certainly does. So I did the math yesterday. And as it turns out, I weighed myself, and I weigh about the same as I did before the coronavirus, even though I've had a lot less physical activity. That's because you, George, are the only human being who can sweat out of stress and lose weight. I, I, I believe it's because of all this home cooking that you guys shit talk me for. <laughs> Don't try to talk logic to me. You know that just makes Popcorn you feel more tacos, sick. Popcorn tacos, man. Yeah. Popcorn tacos. What? That, that's all veggie, baby. <laughs> Oh my god. Um yeah, I I the downside to going out more often is that I would come home with a snack or go out and and stop in a restaurant and then ride my bike or take a walk back home. And now instead I stay home all day but eat a healthier meal that day. Healthier and according meal. to the scale it balances out. I don't believe you. <laughs> I know my body is not, in terms of every little detail except weight, I know I'm doing worse than I was last year. But according to the scale, the weight, at least, is about where it was last year. Well, um, we spent 30 minutes talking about, about exercise. Exercise. That's, that's interesting. That's an interesting change. 30 minutes for 30-year-old bodies, yes. So, well, I... I, I I never talked about this last week, but I I finished up Rise of the Tomb Raider and uh, what the hell? Yeah, that came out of nowhere. What the hell are you doing playing that? I don't think you mentioned that last week. Yeah, I didn't. I've been slowly like getting through it, and it's just been okay. It's like an arcadey. People like like to say, "Oh, it's like The Last of Us" or anything like that. No, it's the writing is not so good the delivery sometimes is not so good it's very arcadey instead of a naughty dog it's, it's more like just a kind of finicky dog a nervous dog yeah, yeah. Not, not not all not all the way naughty just, just right. a little it's nervous yeah troublemaking yeah. dog it's not bad i mean i finished it it's just wow i it's so crazy when you you put some years between you and the game and all of a sudden the game kind of looks a little like just okay but maybe that's why i didn't finish it before because I, I i actually got pretty far before and i just didn't care to finish it I, I got halfway through the first tomb raider 2013 reboot before kind of falling out did they get better as the series goes on because i have heard i think they did score a little bit better with each installment i i the third one i heard is just all exploration and like like you don't really fight. There are in the three of one. those games. Holy shit! Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, and that flew by. I've not played any of them. <laughs> I didn't even realize. And and not over that short of a span either. It was like a six seven year trilogy, but it just feels like those games came and went. To, to be honest, weirdly. you're not missing much. Not to say like it's a fine game, but like I don't know. I felt like 
I felt like I was doing it out of obligation. Like there's some points of the game where you're just like, you're just like, why? Okay, so this guy comes back just to get kidnapped. I'm like, is this like a B movie? Like, what is what is this, what is this bullshit? I mean, they're inspired by that kind of thing, right? Maybe. Besides Indiana Jones. Yeah, the the first one had a, a lot of callbacks to schlocky horror movies like The Descent and Cannibal Holocaust. Well, um, a better game that Ooh. I've been playing is Prey. We're burning through them. Prey. Which is another Unfortunate Spaceman. I was wondering, did you start playing Prey before or after Unfortunate Spaceman? After. Did Unfortunate Spaceman get you in the mood for Prey? No. You don't think I've, so? I've always been wanting to play Prey. And just, play Prey? Yeah, play Prey. I just never like got into it. Um, so it was on sale, copped it, and it's in the beginning, I mean, it's always, it's always pretty, like, tries to get you into it, but in the beginning, it's a little, it's a little slow, and then as you get more and more things, and you kind of understand where it's going, and the power-ups and stuff, you're like, oh, okay, it's like Bioshock in space type thing going on. It's pretty cool. System shock, perhaps one might even uh, wager a suggestion. Yeah, I, I, I've, you know, I have system you shock give those a go. on my <laughs> on my computer, and I still haven't played that game. It's just, I think it's too old. I think for me, no, it's not. If you install some mods for System Shock Two, it, it's fine. And if you have a um, custom controller set up for System Shock One. It, you you might be genuinely surprised by how well that game has aged. But yeah, Prey is something I've always wanted to get into too, knowing full well that those games can be a lot to learn, though, I think is what always... Why? There's not a lot to learn. This is a regular game. It's not complex. With, with System Shock and Deus Ex and stuff, you gotta learn RPG systems, and there's a chance you can roll a bad character. Does Prey do that stuff? No, no, it's not like that. It's not like that, no. It's power-ups and stuff. Like, yeah, you can roll a bad character, but, like, I mean, that's every game. In this game, at least, um, a lot of the the stuff you upgrade on the tree is actually useful. You know, a lot of games tend to fucking fuck that up. But this one, it actually works. Like, Last of Us, for instance, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing in Last of Us. I was like, okay, I might as well just put it in this one, I guess. <laughs> this looks like it doesn't have an effect. You, like, you end up saving all your points because none of the power-ups even look appetizing. And you don't even know what you're going to do for the rest of the game. In this game, like, it's, it's like, oh, okay, you could dismantle weapons and give you spare parts which you can use to do this. It's like, okay, this makes sense. Yes, it, I'm my inventory's fulling up. I should probably get this upgrade to expand um, the implants and storage at the same time. Like, it just makes fucking sense. So, like, I applaud them. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things about Prey. There's a lot of cool things. Um, I've heard a lot of good about the environments, atmosphere in particular, flushable toilets, reflections, that sort of thing. The music is good. And the music, too. It's got Okay, I, I'm wondering though. I've heard rad, sick, hyperactive, danceable neo '80s synthwave, but it's supposed to be a quiet, loomy, dark horror game. How do they incorporate lively, fun techno music into a dark, scary atmosphere? I don't. I don't. I don't think it's too poppy. 
it's um like even when you load up the 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 title like on, on the title screen it's like very like like a, a very i don't know scary scary i guess soundtrack that's playing in the back there's certain areas where it does get quiet and and when something's about to pop on screen or something's happening you can hear like the horror just kind of like creep in like really harsh noises it's really it's really interesting how they just just have it there in the background yeah and there was a time where it it actually scared me it actually scared me like it gets you want if you like this stuff, I really think you should check out System Shock 2 if you end up yeah. wanting to do another one of these. I mean, it is kind not. of the spiritual. Surprisingly, it's not made by... Uh, uh, what's his name? Javi, Javi... Uh, uh, Javi, the guy who made... Who worked on Harvey. System Shock 2, but also... Oh, was it System Shock 2 or Deus Ex he worked on? He worked on one of those immersive sims. But he runs Arcane. But he worked on Dishonored 2. Didn't work on Prey. Harvey Smith. Harvey Smith. Is that the one? Harvey Smith. Yes. Yeah. Another game I haven't played that I wanted to play. It's like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I played the first Dishonored and I really enjoyed it. But for some reason, the two, I just can't, just can't bring myself to like, just buy can't do it, it man. Play it. Just can't yeah, do it. I don't know. Like, I feel like number one was just fine. I do want to know what the, the outsider, who the outsider is, and and all that type of shit. But it's just like ah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I want to do the same thing over again. I don't know if I want to. That's the thing I didn't like about this on is like the whole stealth. I had to be stealth. I couldn't just run around killing people. Like sometimes I just, uh, it's just stealth is just not fun sometimes in certain games. You totally good. My problem with Dishonored was. That that yeah, I I forced myself into a play style that I don't think the game was as built for. In Dishonored trailers, you stop time and like pick the bullet out of the air and put it in front of enemies and then press the play button again. And when I was playing the game, I was just quick saving behind every person. I was blinking and it was methodical and repetitive. And I felt like it would have been more fun so if I went annoying. louder. Yeah, it was it it it, it is fun when you're louder. And the the, the power ups are better when you're louder. But you got to force yourself to be louder, though. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you, if you kill people, a negative thing happens to the whole world. Yeah. So what's the fucking point? You have to convince yourself to try and. You get a different ending and shit. Like it's so stupid. Like I hated that about the first one. I think that that it's still there. It still lingers. Yeah. I I have the same exact feeling, except. When I think back, I'm wondering, like, did I actually cheat myself out of a better experience yes. by not going for the full ghost, no one ever spotted you, never killed anyone sort of play style? Because that's what I usually find fun. But in Dishonored, they, I don't think they wanted you playing it like that. Don't make power-ups. Don't make power-ups like that. So so weird, man. Like, Deus Ex, I can, I'm fine with sneaking. Metal Gear, I'm fine with sneaking. But games like Dishonored, man, you have a fucking knife and shit in your hand. Like, it's come on. Come on, guys. And there's so many cool things you can do. I wonder how many people actually killed people and how many people were stealthy. How many people are actually, like, are, 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 are guilt-free with just murdering people and then having their world turn into chaos? I wonder. I would, uh... 
I just look up I a good ending on YouTube. Yeah. I kind of wish I could go back in time and make me play that game the bad way so that I could just look up the good endings on YouTube. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have this like 30 hour long block of regret. So the game gets harder. Experience. Also, from what I remember, if you kill people. Which is probably good because I remember it being too easy. There you go. You should you should look up some this guy that did some crazy stuff in Dishonored, man. I've never seen such smooth gameplay. I can't remember what it was, but this guy like kills everyone on the map smoothly. Like he knows he he know he's played it like a million times. I gotta I gotta I really gotta find it for you, and so you can put it in the in the. <laughs> It, it's insane. Was, like was it a, me saying it doesn't give it justice. It really was it doesn't. a summer game done quick. I've never seen a game played that way. Like actually played how the developer might think people would play it. I guess like how the tra- how the trailer of a game how works. the trailer <laughs> plays it. So you mean yeah. like play tester level? <laughs> Completely smooth, clean. It's like someone inputting like some like one frame combo in fucking Street Fighter with 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 PS4 lag. I don't know, <laughs> crazy shit like that. Music, like music. Yeah. This week was the the summer summer games done quick event. Heck yeah, did, it did was. You guys watch any? I did. I, I watch less and less every year. I think. Yeah, Lee, Liam was super jazz. I know. I every every time it comes around, I'm a sucker for it. I I basically don't play games, and I basically watch it all week. I have it on. I had it. I had it on in the background for the whole week when I was working. There was a. Um, it's awesome. A half a Half Life Alex speed run that was so you know I cool. Flipped through that. 30, 34 minutes. More thirty one minutes. More please. More VR speed runs because. You are literally breaking the boundaries of physical space. It is fucking cool. Like the way he gets out of the van to like start in a crouched position and then force Alex to like stand up really quickly when in the van. So her head pokes out of the van so he can climb out of the van and then jump down. It's amazing. Like literal destroying the physical boundaries in real life to do it in a video game. So cool. Sometimes using the hands as physics objects to like clip the body up a ledge you're not supposed yeah. to be on. It it's was awesome. Really, that was really one of the crazy. better runs for sure. There was a couple of really good ones, but that one was top notch. Awesome games done quick and summer games done quick are always I'm such a sucker for them. And the sense of community around those events, I know speedrunning has had problematic pasts, but it's always, you know, they raised what? 2.1 million again or something stupid? Like that's so much money from video games. It's awesome. 2.3 million. Wow. Oh my God. And it was all online this year. Yes. And man, the logistics of how they sorted that out, I would like to see a postmortem on that because it was pretty seamless moving from stream to stream. There was, you know, longer delays between waits, which is understandable, but it was pretty top notch. There was one guy streaming like Shovel Knight and he had his kids in the background who were adorable. It was so funny. Uh, There was a lot lot of really good stuff. I wonder what uh, the home environment does to the uh, finesse and quality of their game. Maybe more comfortable, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you can never you can never quantify the numbers, right? Like you're more. I think you'd be more nervous 
if there was a hundred people behind you watching you, then being mm-hmm. at home with nobody knowing there's like 70,000 people watching you because you can't quantify those invisible people who are watching. So I imagine actually probably a lot of them felt super comfortable. And it's your own hardware. You know, a lot of them were in their homes. They had webcams. They're like partners and stuff were behind them cheering them on. It's it's kind of wholesome. It was really good. I really enjoyed it this year. There's like a short hike speed run, Bloodborne speed run. Some top- <laughs> oh my God, what does a short hike speed run look like? I got to look that up. I don't know. Fly up the mountain as quick as possible. Get like two golden feathers and somehow make it. <laughs> it was like 30, no, 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. Maybe three less? three minutes. <laughs> There's a short hike any percent speed run on YouTube for three minutes when you search for this stuff. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> All you have to do is get to the top of the island. You'll probably glitch your way there somehow. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, I, I'm such a sucker for these events anyway. So kudos to that team. I did play one more game. I won't talk about it too long because I know zero people are interested. And I want to claim that I did it for research, which I totally... I'm looking at it on the outline and <laughs> trying to blink patronizingly. <laughs> I, uh, all right, Liam, let's... I definitely did this for research, you know, George? Let's it's, hear it's... all about this really exciting video game. You mean PGA Golf 2K21? Oh, man, I can't wait to buy fancy pants and fancy shoes and stand on a spot on the ground and look rich. It's so good. <laughs> it was fun to watch. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Fun. Matt's just tuned out of the uh, Alex. He's come back. <laughs> uh, I was watching the super hot VR speed run. It's ridiculous, <laughs> man. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, no, I, I was watching you play, man. It was fun. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, that's, yeah. Matt was there. Of course. I don't know. I'm acting like Matt didn't know. Matt, I played in the Discord for about 10 of us. And Matt, Matt was the first one to join, and uh, Matt was aligning my putts for me, like some sort of spir- <laughs> spiritual god. And he was pretty damn good at it, to be fair. And, you know, it was great, because we started off, and when it go in, everyone was like, hey, holy whoa, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good community game, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's good. Like, it's a new sports franchise. You know the golf club that went around on Steam? It was kind of like a popular golfing sim. It sold really well. Well, I think 2K bought that studio and was like, hey, make the same game you've been making for three years, but make it like a sports franchise like FIFA or Madden. And that's what we're going to do from now on. And it had a really good trailer. That was that was actually quite dope. And then it came out. And I obviously, as the golf connoisseur, it was my God-given right to check it out. <laughs> but as somebody who actually played golf when they were a kid, Quite seriously, I always have some sort of deep fascination with golf. Definitely got bored of that sport over the years, but this game is tight. It's it's a good game. Like if you like golf and sports games, I guess the caveat being that it is really well polished. It works really nicely, plays really nicely, has interesting features in terms of the shots. It is not easy. Uh, you get dicked because you have to time things really well it's not just a case of pressing a button and stopping it you have to like move the thumbstick in a straight line and if you don't the you know you'll slice the ball and you have to time it really nicely and judge the wind and all of this garbage 
it's actually pretty a uh, pretty hardcore sim if you let it be um and i've been playing with a, a couple of people who also purchased it and we have like you can have an online society in the game and you can set up a, a like a tournament event and you don't have to play it because you can play the multiplayer asynchronously or like at different times and while you're playing you can see the balls of other players it's taken a bit from golf with friends i think and there's like asynchronous multiplayer and also real-time multiplayer. Uh, it's quite quite good. And best part is your 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 OC Sonic Golf character basically looks like a character from Saints Row that you can dress and make look like <laughs> Guy Fieri. It's fucking crazy. The pants I wear in that game are on fire. It's black and white and green clovers all over the place. It's the most garish piece of clothing I think any human being could ever wear, and I wear a giant cowboy hat. It is awesome. It's basically a Saints Row <laughs> character golfer. That's it. Golf report over. Thank you for tuning into Sports Center. You got in close you got in close to hole in one and I'm like watching some of these hole in ones. It's pretty ridiculous. I the um, best shot I hit was yesterday when I was playing a multiplayer match with a friend in Sweden and I hit it all basically a hole in one, but it was a par four. Mm. So the second shot blasted it like 300 yards, judged the wind perfectly. Dang, right in the hole. My Swedish friend was screaming because he was so angry that I just basically completely overtook the game. And I got, I just got to appreciate that there are people in the world in real life that have hit a tiny white ball. <laughs> with a with 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 a stick and gotten it into a hole yards away hundreds of yards away would it blow your mind to know i have actually done it in real life oh really from how far from a path three so the shortest type of hole you can have but it was about 210 yards that's that's far man did did it like feel accidental or no no so when i was a kid like like i had three things that my life consisted of video games soccer for you guys and and golf and golf and golf was because my grandma played golf and she would just take me to the golf course and i'd hit things and then i ended up going into junior competitions and i was actually pretty good at it um but i hated the pressure golf is so full of pressure right and like the mental kind of fortitude you need to be good at golf is something a kid doesn't have. And I just wanted to fucking play Zelda and go home. Uh, so I didn't particularly enjoy playing it, even though I was good at it. And I won a lot of competitions. I was actually in an academy. Wow, this is like deep therapeutic Liam time. <laughs> like I'm reliving lost memories. Um, <laughs> I was actually in an academy and I would get pulled out of school to go play in tournaments and stuff. And like, I won the academy. It, it was like a year long thing where you get points based on like how you perform in tournaments and stuff like that. And I won that academy and I got like opportunities to go to like Spain and stuff to play in tournaments. I was good, but I hated it. I hated it. I really didn't like it. I just, I didn't want to do it. It was a lot of pressure and golf is a really frustrating sport if you're having a bad day and I would just get super angry and I just be like, I want to go home and play games and hang out with my friends so I, I quit and i actually remember being super scared to tell my dad because he'd spent so much money right like this thing that his kid wanted to do that he thought his kid wanted to do anyway and i you know i was super scared to tell my dad and i told him one day and my dad was like all right 
you know, on to the next thing, I guess. And I was like, oh, wow. After all of that, I could have said this two years ago. I could have played a lot of Mario between now and then. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so when I was a kid growing up, I played a lot of golf. So I have a great understanding. And I've always enjoyed watching it over the years. Um, It is like the ultimate sit down. It's kind of boring, man. Fucking It is boring. But you know, like. You know, like a cozy blanket when you just sit down and you literally, you know, when you put long Twitch streams on because you don't want to think about changing, like going through 10 YouTube videos and like thinking about what you want to watch. You stick something on and you don't have to think about it. Like, that's how I feel about like golf majors and like I can stick it on and it's on all day. Kind of like games done quick. You know, it's on all day. I don't have to think about it. And it's just a nice background noise that I understand. Um, but yeah, I did get a hole in one once. I got a course record at one golf course I played, and I got a hole in one on that same golf course in England when I was about eleven or twelve. I was super young when I played golf, but man, weird times. Please fuck off. I've completely forgot about all of this. To be honest, I've thought about, I've thought about golf, me playing golf in fucking years. For for me, I, I just played golf in, in high school, man, and I wasn't that good. I like mini golf, though. Mini golf, I'm good. I like making golf games. Like, I'd rather do that and now. you're good at so, it. Did you forget that you played golf as a kid until just now after making doing all a this golf game? Research to. Honestly, yeah, because. Yes. Is this some latent childhood memories that have been coming out? Like, is this, <laughs> yeah. this might not be a coincidence that you were making a golf I game I just think now. I have, like, I don't, I don't think about it, right? Like, when I made Curse to Golf, I wasn't yeah. thinking about the golf part because I already understood golf. So I just, it's there, right? But actually thinking about me, the person playing it, like Liam standing on a golf course, I haven't thought about, like, that and, like, playing golf. For years and years and years and years. But the idea of somebody playing golf is completely different to like my experience of playing golf. So this PGA 2K21 is the first time since like playing Tiger Woods on the PS2 when I was actually playing golf at the time that I've played a golf game that, you know, kiss golf doesn't count and making that doesn't count. But actually playing this has brought up a lot of memories about, you know, playing golf when I was a kid. It's quite therapeutic game, all that stress and anger out because I can pretend to be a PGA golfer who's actually good at consistency. This is you getting your revenge at golf for golf, getting your hopes up and then dashing. Them yeah. A lot of people told me I was going to be a pro and I was like, I don't want to be, <laughs> this, this is a lot of pressure. It's the thing, right? This is how mundane my existence is that my childhood repressions are golf. Fucking <laughs> 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 golf. Fucking golf. I really was into hockey as a kid. What? Roller hockey. You played roller hockey. And I loved it. Up roller hockey. Yeah. And I was surprisingly good at it. Whoa. And I really, really miss it and bet I would have a lot of fun if I tried it again as an adult. Like that shit is a blast. Do you reckon you could even get the skates? Oh, yeah. I have a pair of skates in my closet that I haven't worn in over 10 years. So <laughs> well, maybe go. come to think of it. I'll I stop playing know. golf again. You get those skates on. <laughs> Matt, you can. Um, Matt, you and me can play golf. Because I'll be just as bad as you were in college. We, we should play some mini golf, man. Let's, that let's I'm bring down, it down to a I'd nice rather, like, uh, I'd rather that. 
I'd rather. Yeah, it would be more fun. I want to go to a wacky mini golf. If if I were to, this like a couple businesses I would love to like make my own. It's like crazy mini golf. I could get with someone who who builds courses, and I'll just do like the the weird shit. Like, of course, I'll have the That's classic right. windmill, but I'll have some like maybe some video game references and some shit like is that. that. What you want to want to be when you grow up? Yeah, your comfy old person job is is <laughs> running a mini golf course. A mini golf course, dude, with like and then like a game bar inside. Oh man, that would be the place. Funny you say that because the reason in Costa Golf that the holes are really big, like it's not you know a typical tiny golf hole size. Um, it's really big is because I heard on a podcast once, once, um, I think it was Zach Gage explaining that mini golf to him is like the greatest game design thing in the world, right? You're creating level design and also you have an objective. I guess because I believe it. I bet it's fun as hell as a game developer. The biggest issue he has and how he thinks more people would play mini golf is if the holes were just a bit bigger and he wanted to Hmm. bet people that he could turn around a broken down golf mini golf place if he just made the holes bigger. And that always made me laugh. Right? You know, Zach Gage is an amazing game designer. So I was thinking, maybe he's right. So the reason the, the holes in Costa Golf are really big is because of that one statement he made on that podcast. Yeah, it's, he's absolutely right. Like, think about mm-hmm. how many times people putt near the ball, near the hole. They put near the the hole so many the times. The best part of the experience is when you finally make it in the hole. Yeah, but if it was really big, it would happen a lot more frequently, and, right? And all-in-ones will happen a lot more frequently. So the the level cap... If you think about watching your friends play and the frustrations of them, like, missing, that's pretty hilarious, right? And, you know, most of the videos you can see of mini golf, like, on the internet are people just getting so frustrated because the ball just will not go in the hole. Mm-hmm. You got to think of of not your friends, but rather the lowest common denominator of the mass audience who are going to be buying oodles of tickets to your mini golf course because they think that they're they're the greatest golfers in the world because they're able to easily get holes in holes in one inside of your giant inflated hole. I mean, it doesn't have to be that big. But that could be a catchphrase, bigger holes. Oh, I think it should be lubricated, too. I think if it was twice the size, it would be pretty good. If it was twice the size, honestly, because that's, you know, a hole is only a golf ball's width and a half, I think. So, you know, yeah, that yeah, is we tiny. Can, we could stretch a little bigger than the size of a golf ball, I so think. So if it, if, it if it was two golf balls and a half, or, you know, three golf balls, that'd be pretty good. That'd be, That'd be a pretty big hole. That'd be a pretty, pretty big hole. We got it, George. You if like you could stick three, three golf balls. We got bigger holes. Come down to dad and son's holes. Put your balls in my big hole. Dad and son's Guys, mini golf. What, whatever oh, mini baby. golf course we all like get together to open up when we become old men is going to be the most perverted, like nerdy bullshit oh yeah dad and son's mini golf can you imagine doing this when we're 60 and we're like yeah when it was out on the course the other day bigger holes rubbing those balls in those big holes bigger sticks that million dollar idea we had i i rubbed some extra vaseline around the holes today to make sure everyone will slide in a little extra easier Okay, okay, we talked a bit about what kind of sports we were into when we were kids. 
And I had a blast from the past um, doing a bit of nostalgia tripping this week, watching a documentary on Amazon Prime about the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater video game. Oh, is that uh, the Superman one? Yeah. it's. Um, oh, I really want to watch that. I actually really want to watch that. How do you get hold of that? It's on the US Amazon Prime is how I saw it. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> pretending I'm a Superman is, is what it's called. Oh, damn. And... You would enjoy it. I'm. I, I would be willing to wager. I would. I would. Then anyone listening to this podcast would probably enjoy it. But you're not going to want to show grandma or anyone who doesn't know what this the stuff thing is. I did They're after gonna... quitting golf was skateboard. So I, <laughs> I think I definitely would. <laughs> when when I was a kid playing roller hockey, I, I was also going through my mandatory early two thousands white suburban kid skateboard phase, and uh, the stuff that led up to that moment being a thing in my life was the product of a was the result of a 20 to 30 year long struggle to get an underground sport slash performance art medium to wax and wane in and out of public popularity that reminded me of of what it was like growing up getting into video games before they go into the video game itself this documentary gets into the history of skateboarding which um originated in the 1940s but became really big and popular and and extreme and edgy in the late 70s and then had a crash in the early 80s where public interest really dropped off until some new companies made it a little more extreme and edgier in the 90s bones brigade and and then when the x games came out around the turn of the millennium it broke through to the mainstream and that progression really does remind me a lot of um video games Starting up as as Cold War technology, moving on to a small niche community that got hit by a market bubble and crash in the 80s, that then got remarketed as mainstream toys for kids that broke them through as those kids grew up in the turn of the millennium. And they apparently have some gatekeeping issues involved in the skateboarding community where some really hardcore old skateboarding fans don't like how mainstream it's become. Apparently, there's some like beef going on between Tony Hawk and some other skateboarders around like (laughs) some controversies over his image being wholesome. And the documentary doesn't get into that stuff. I almost wish it did because you get a hint that there's probably some really fun drama going on behind the scenes that they didn't mention. Some of the skaters who they're interviewing were like a little reluctant to sign up for the game at first because they were worried it was selling out and it would ruin their kind of punk rock do-it-yourself image that skateboarding had. (laughs) They also like to mention that around the turn of the millennium as technology was um, picking up and whatnot, solitary sports like this are kind of sort of becoming popular more so than than team sports. Uh, Tony Hawk's talking about how kids will just gravitate to skateboarding, not because it just... It's an impressive performance when done well, of course, but also because it's a more personal, solitary way to explore your your self-expression through through defying physics and putting on a show. Yeah, it, it was interesting because you can tell that there's a lot of interesting cultural implications behind skateboarding become popular that I never would have guessed when I was going through this phase in the 2000s and how big of a deal it was for the kids and also how much Tony Hawk like plays games and knew what was going on and wanted to make sure the controls were accessible and easy to get into like he didn't want it to be a skateboarding simulator he wanted it to be arcadey and fun and i was surprised to find out how much say he had in that as well like he was a part of the development process to a surprising extent Mm. 
I mean, I imagine they didn't have many skateboarding experts at the time. What is this? The Liam childhood repression episode? Because that was like my other thing that from like 13 to like 17, 18 was nothing but skateboarding. Like the CKY videos back in the day, Bamager and then Tony Hawks. And then, you know, all of that culture just around all of that was like my <laughs> everything alongside video games. And I skateboarded for years, years. We'd go to parks every weekend and just skate. Did did you ever do a kickflip? I alongside wow, this is weird. That yes, I could really? do like 360 flips and stuff like that. I but like I like skating a lot. That shit takes forever to learn. I man it I did it for like a year and managed to do one kickflip, and that's when I decided to start calling it quits. See, for me, like every like everybody, my brother, my best friend, like everybody at the time was into it, right? So we were all, you know, typical community type thing. Everybody's pushing each other to get better and better. I like skating half pipes more. Like I like doing like pipe stuff when i was younger. oh yeah the vert versus street fight is apparently a real thing not vert i wouldn't do vert i was terror i was terrified of vert i could drop in on vert but it absolutely terrified me but like mini pipes like half pipes and stuff like doing tail stalls and nose blunts and stuff yeah <laughs> that that Hell conflict yeah, between vert straighting and street skating i i ooh. Ooh. I really wish they got into that too, because like it's it's almost a class conflict. Like for vert skating that was more popular in the 80s, you would have to build ramps at some kind of public facility. And I think that's why there might have been some dislike associated with Tony Hawk's public imagery. Was that he was always doing it in these really expensive facilities that a lot of people wouldn't have access to. And that was like one of the core arguments behind this this beef that apparently exists between skateboarding subcultures of street skating versus vert skating is, is whether or not you lived in a rich enough California neighborhood to have a giant half pipe to skate through versus quasi borderline needing to break the laws to to get your skateboarding thrills on out in the street instead yeah but that's the thing about skaters right like even when you get skate parks built they still just want to go skate in the streets mostly so it's not like there was a, a class war or a fight you know just some guys just were like we're not gonna fucking skate in the skate park we're fucking still skate rails like outside of a police station because we're fucking hardcore i mean <laughs> i don't think that was anything to do with class it was like Hey, here's your park. Nah, no, dudes. no, they mention it in the documentary. Like it takes money, and it was only a California thing for a lot of those years until after the video games and the street skating tapes were taking off in the '90s, and that added a, a edgy aesthetic to it. it. It was, you know, it tied in with like punk rock and that culture, which. Which is a persecution complex that they get into that even reminded me a lot of video games too. You're, they talk about how yeah. skaters are stereotyped as being bullied. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, what? No, those were the cool kids. Skateboarding is like stylish. It's fun to look at. Yeah, it's like a combination of, of acrobatics and physics and fashion is what I've always thought of it. But Tony Hawk would always think of it as like a wholesome uh, sport more than the art sort of thing. I mean, Tony's been the, you know, since the the late 70s early 80s right and he was a professional when <laughs> he was like 17 16 or something yeah. when he was with bones brigade like yeah that dude knows how skating has gone up and down but he was always the you know the baby face image of it skating knows a lot uh, to tony uh, hawk whether people admit it or not whether skaters admit it or not 
And, you know. The, the public face. I'll always remember and- the one. Like, I don't know if you, either of you guys watched Viva La Bam back on MTV2 back in the day. After, like, the CKY Jackass stuff had come out. And then Bamajera had a, his own TV show. Did you watch it? No? Reality TV show? A little Bamajera? bit. A tiny, tiny little bit. So, there was one episode where him and Tony Hawk go to Mardi Gras, I think it was. And, like, they're driving Lambos and shit. And then, you know, it pauses, like, a freeze frame at the end of the episode. And it's like, as you are reading this, Tony Hawk has already earned over half a million dollars by the time <laughs> you will have finished reading this. <laughs> and I always wondered whether it was true at the time. But, oh, my God, yes, it definitely was. Tony Hawk made a lot of fucking money. <laughs> There's a quote that, that really got me thinking in um, this documentary. He says that in the... 70s and 80s when he was skating and when he was seeing video gaming grow up he knew in the back of his head that it was always possible to turn that sport of his into a fun video game and that just made me wonder about how many sports there might be that are out there that are weird and kind of underground that not a lot of people know about that might need a really fun well-crafted easy accessible mainstream ready arcadey video game to popularize the sport itself what else is out there like um parkour games are totally a thing but i don't think there's been like one that no. looked at it from a tony hawk point of view where you're doing tricks for points yeah mirror's edge is like the most mainstream of parkour games but not really a parkour game yeah it doesn't consider it a sport so much as like a cool way to make action scenes there was like a dave mirrors bmx which were like tony hawk there was a there was a lot of those games right there was like there was a really good rollerblading one there was obviously Sean White snowboarding. Aggressive inline was a fun one. Yeah. Ah, uh, I'm getting excited and antsy thinking about these like cool. You look like you need to pee again. Okay. He needs to pee again. He's even ah. turning his camera off these days to go pee. Chain chumps, warp pipes, and more. There's lots to avoid in Mario Golf Postal Tour. Tony for Nintendo, GameCube, Regadine for everyone. Thank you. So uh, we we just peed and got water and also like talked One about what peed. to do with the news this week there's a lot going on but for the sake of getting liam to share some insight about mobile development i thought we would focus on an update for this epic lawsuit uh in other words uh this week we're going to be talking about an epic update for the epic lawsuit a judge has ruled in favor of a temporary restraining order for Epic against Apple. Last week, Apple, you might have to fill me in on this. Did they say they were revoking Unreal Engine 5 across the App Store? Or did they actually go through with it? No, they didn't go through with it. They threatened it. Yeah, what happened this week is that the judge, a judge ruled that no, you can't actually do that. The judge did what everybody expected, which was no, you cannot keep Fortnite on the store, but no, Apple, you also cannot block this tool from being used by all of these people who will lose their yeah. livelihoods. It was the most sensible and most obvious decision of what was going to happen. Under the logic that those developers who would have been impacted have little to nothing to do with the lawsuit in the question and or the rules being challenged, and also that some sort of status quo apparently needs to be maintained while while the laws of how app store sales are going to change. There's a, um, the exact quote is, 
The judge was arguing that Epic strategically chose to breach its agreements with Apple and thus disturb the status quo. But, Rogers argued, maintaining that status quo is also why she's ruling that Apple can't cut off access to the Unreal Engine right now. The threat was that they would take all of Epic's resources off the store, including the engine of uh, other unrelated games that... Well, no, just anything that uses that tool set, right? So, Which would have been nuts. Would have been nuts, absolutely. And it would have been bullshit, because what have those guys done? Like, they're paying Epic a lot of money of their revenue because of using the Unreal Engine. Like, I think if they had gone through and Epic had jeopardized that, Epic owe those developers a massive Riku in engine costs. Why on earth would anybody use Unreal ever again? It's mad. I think this is the way it'll stay now, and the court case will go forward, and then there'll be some outcome, but... I don't know. I would not be surprised if we don't see Fortnite on that store for another couple of months, for sure. If ever oh, again. Might, might be, yeah, a year or more, maybe, if it does come back. It's something will happen. Epic will figure something out, some sort of app uh, or launcher on something, like through a browser, and you'll be able to play Fortnite through the browser. Or like, and, you know, Apple can't stop that. And then any payments through the browser can automatically go to Epic. I don't think that is out of the question. I think if they can run it, which they should be able to through HTML5, I don't know, maybe. Or they could try to negotiate for a special deal, which is apparently another thing that's been revealed this week that they were trying to do in the past. Yes, like Apple tend to have a flat fee, but just like Sony and Microsoft and everybody, you know, you can sort of fudge it depending on how big and how important you are and how much they want your work. I imagine Apple are hurting just as much from people not playing Fortnite on their phones, but, you know, they have over $1 trillion. So what does it really matter apart from principle at this point? I can't imagine Apple hurting in general. I mean, yeah, but you think about how many people play Fortnite around the world on one day on mobile, especially in Asia. There's millions and millions and millions of people. And those people are going to be... They can take the hit. I mean, of course they can take it, but there's a reason it's there and the reason <laughs> in the first place because it makes a load of money for both parties. Now they're just arguing over how much one should get compared to the other. So Microsoft has come out on Team Epic. Uh, that doesn't surprise big... me. <laughs> they submitted a legal declaration that's going to be read by the judge as part of the case that stated in so many words that Kevin Gamble, the general manager of gaming developer experiences for Microsoft, is... Uh, stating that Epic Games' Unreal Engine is a critical technology for numerous game developers, including Microsoft. Denying Epic access to Apple's SDK and other development tools will prevent Epic from supporting Unreal Engine on iOS and Mac OS, and will place Unreal Engine and those game creators that have built and are building and may build games on it at a substantial disadvantage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, Liam's just shaking his head, yes. I mean, yes. yes. It would. And it would suck, because Epic have made the decision for all of those developers, which has to be illegal, right? It has to have some sort of substantial... They must owe those developers some sort of money because you, you... Like, don't get it wrong. Like, each engine costs money to use. You have a license, but sometimes you don't have to pay for the license until you release your game and then 
especially in Unreal's case, they take a percentage of your revenue for as long as that game earns money. So Epic has been making money off these people having their engine uh, be used, and then these people make money, right? If these people are not able to make money anymore because Epic made a decision, but Epic have been taking money this whole time, I feel like Epic needs to give that money back to them, right? So, I don't know. It's uh, it's trouble on both sides. It's, it, I mean, it was obvious, I think, that there would be an injunction where Apple cannot do that. But if you're Apple, you're going to be pissed, right? You're like, well, how do we attack these guys? You know, Fortnite's down. They're not, but people are still playing Fortnite on other platforms. But how do we? I guess we have to go through legal proceedings now, and who knows where that will go. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's obvious when it's their walled garden that's the thing that's coming into question. Like they still built a store, and stores are allowed. Yeah, to- but you you're still subject. Like it's like um. I don't know what it's like, actually. It's not comparable to many other things. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very unique issue that is unprecedented in history that requires one to clarify that cell phones actually are more like computers. It's, so... yeah, I, uh, hmm. <laughs> it's not really comparable, but it makes a lot of sense that that would be the decision. And that was the decision, right? All of these developers are using one of the only available tool sets there is. It's not their fault. They've entered a contract with Epic to do this, but it's not their fault that Epic have made this decision for them. Therefore, the collateral of that, it should be logical to any judge to be like, yeah, no, probably not a good idea. Um, because Apple doesn't really have anything to gain other than to strong arm Epic into not doing the lawsuit. But I think it's Epic's right to do the lawsuit and to challenge that 30%. You think they're going to end up doing a settlement or do you think there's going to be an actual winner or loser? There'll be a winner. There'll be a winner or loser, I think. Or some sort of, Mm. some sort of change. Or like a half, a half winner, half loser, like the John Carmack versus, uh, yeah, I think both will lose out somehow. I think maybe it'll be a case of Apple are like, okay, but Fortnite is now not allowed on the store. That wouldn't surprise me. They're like, okay, we'll play your game, Epic, but you're not having Fortnite on the store. And that that is within their right to do that because they can reject apps at any time. They can just keep rejecting the Fortnite app over and over again. That sounds like the current situation. That I mean, they pulled like, it, they like pulled the it from the store. Yeah. yeah, but if they resubmit it, which is the process you can go through, Apple can just keep rejecting it. My point would be that for the long term, the resolution might be oh even if they change their even if they change their back. stance it's just like hey everybody else can now make a new percentage but epic you're making zero because fortnite is never again being allowed on ios so just just out of spite oh yeah <laughs> because then it doesn't look like you've lost right kind of looks like you've won <sighs> but actually long term you have lost and epic will have changed the industry for mobile developers and also have lost so I don't know. I really don't know where this is going to go, to be honest. It really does fuck you, though, if you're thinking right now, like, I want to use, or I am using Unreal. But what, like, even with Unity, like, there was news about Unity going public yesterday, and I'm like, oh, my God, that could be bad <laughs> for me in the future. Once you go public, there's a lot of pressure to uh, 
Um, make your product worse. Well, no, to make your product profitable, profitable enough for shareholders to be happy, right? At all costs. Yeah. Yes. So you know, raising license prices, changing the structure of you know, they might look at Unreal and be like, "Hey, those guys are making a market revenue share for using the engine. We don't do that. We just charge licenses." Well, we do make a certain amount after you release the game. You have to pay Unity, but it's nothing like Unreal. So they might be like, hey, we're just matching the standards. Nobody's using Unreal at the moment, so we might as well, you know, jump on board that and charge people whatever we want. You okay back there, Matt? I think this is the listening podcast for me. <laughs> hey, we got we got some nice uh, spacemen in. Some unfortunate spacemen. And Tomb Raider. What was Tomb uh, Yeah. I've... I love that title. Unfortunate Spaceman sounds like like a fun way to describe a lot of adventures I've gone on in my life. <laughs> that's the next time you're going to be standing in the supermarket and somebody without a mask is going to be next to you. You'll be like, that's Unfortunate Space, man. Oh my God. Like Shh. my 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 roommate's cat is just whining and whining <laughs> and whining. I can't hear a cat. I'm kind of Every... disappointed. Yeah, well, I have the fucking massload vinyl stapled to my door and I'm still meowing through that it's still meowing through it it's so annoying the to cat me. might have something to say about epic versus apple we should we should have a no, guest on it just wants food it always wants food is it the a cat fat cat don't we always wants fucking food and to go outside <laughs> sounds like my kind of party I, oh, can't go outside. You got to stay inside, dude. It's, it's there's a pandemic out there. I mean, I I like <laughs> the cat, right? But god, it is so focused on food or being outside. Like that's the the only thing it cares about. It cares about nothing else. It's kind of very That's why sometimes well, I just it, don't It's care not about like it has a job, you know. It's kind of, of course, to a lot of when it's a cat. Dog, when you have a dog, it doesn't do st- stuff like that. The dog do you have a dog you. there? The dog loves you. The dog <laughs> cuddles with you. The dog. Cats are just like fucking evil, man. Wow. We found out today Matt's not a cat person. Like, you exist for me. Okay. Dogs gotta chew things. No, no, they don't. You gotta train them. Dogs um, gotta poop somewhere, though. Cats have this instinct to poop in the sand. So uh, I have dogs, no idea why dogs that works. gotta. Yeah, I, I, I really no want to know why litter boxes are just why cats gravitate to them. You plop a cat straight out of the womb, and they just know. <laughs> just know. To use the litter box, say, what what is it in nature that looks and smells and feels like a cat's litter I mean, box? What's what's in catnip? Think? I mean, we could go deep with it. What the fuck is catnip, man? The expose everybody's waited for. <laughs> A miserable pile of secrets. <laughs> what is a cat? If you would like to discover our cats and our secrets, um, then then send us an email to dadandsonspodcast@gmail.com, and and we may reply with uh, either or. Um, you can also join the five dollar Dad and Sons Patreon Discord and ask a question like the following from Sir Rick the Nick. I wanted to ask about the platform that has brought all the players together, Discord. From my recollection, Discord seemingly popped out of nowhere and has since become this ubiquitous platform that everyone uses to communicate and interact with each other. It has become so ubiquitous that I can't really imagine online PC gaming without it, and it's become an invaluable tool for me to meet and interact with friends. 
Despite this, no one ever really talks about it by itself. When did you ever start using Discord? Is it as good a platform as it could ever be? Will there ever be any Discord competitors? What would you change about it? Thanks for giving me a bright spot every week. Cheers. Cheers. I think Discord is fantastic, and the only reason it's not a mainstream common denominator thing is gamer branding. Discord mm. is the thing. Yeah, it's it's kind yeah. of mainstream. I, I think Zoom came in during Corona. I have no idea. People talk like they people use Zoom. No one used fucking Zoom before Corona. <laughs> no one did. Okay, that's why they're that's why their stock went up. Okay. Slack is the only thing I can think of which is the actual competitor. Slack is useful, but it's very business focused, whereas Discord is very gamer focused. But they feel so similar. Yes, but once you start using both, you'll actually realize the inadequacies. Like Discord's eight megabyte limit is fucking terrible. Sometimes you can't even send high quality photos. Um, that is not great, especially with business file sharing and stuff like that. Slack is Slack is great but to get most of the features you have to pay right and obviously you can do nitro on discord but uh it's different you know it's very focused on live streaming when you go up to nitro you get the 60 frames you know uh 1080p whatever um and there's a lot of like just gamer focused stuff about discord i think discord is better i personally like discord and in since switching to remote work i you know i've used discord for about four years now um but I never, it was never like a daily thing. And until this remote work started happening and channels started popping up, you know, to replace social networks and all that kind of stuff. And obviously we now have our amazing Discord channel. Um, Discord is like a thing I always have open. It's right there. Everybody's in it. It's yeah. super useful. And the actual client itself like runs like on no CPU power and never crashes and it's never slow. It's surprisingly good. And the ability to just like fucking turn up and stream of like a game and a video and talk to people is amazing. We're doing this yeah. podcast right now with the three of us staring at each other in a private yeah. channel. And yeah. we don't have to pay for it. We don't have to do anything. A couple of years and, ago. And every, on, every yeah, like other day, every day someone's in there streaming something. Every other day, one of us is in there streaming something. Looking at you, Web. And um, that almost feels like a new way to interact with people in your internet community um, is by streaming something to a smaller audience of like uh, 8 to 12 people rather than the big Twitch audience. And I love that people can talk back. I love that. Oh, oh, okay. oh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I know you can't hack it, George. I know you can't hack it. We, you know, we have to have conversations I'm about your Titanfall attitude. And that. And you can tell when it comes out. If I hear like more than three other voices in my head, it starts mucking with my own voice in my head. <laughs> like it, it's like a speech jammer. For me, it's a case of I don't know when when you're playing a game and like it's like you know Twitch chat, but you don't have to read it; you can just hear it. And I'm like, that makes me focus on the game more because I can don't have to look at the chat. Yeah, but but you know, aren't aren't you feeling that pressure to be a performer at the same time? Not, and not and in not Discord. Have... Like, no, not in Discord. Oh god. Twitch, yes, but not in Discord. No way in Discord. Yeah, see I have like the imposter syndrome come out, the social anxiety comes out, the speech jamming effect gets me. If there's like more than four voices and and they're like like fans. I 
I I start to just not be able to think for myself. The fans that blow air? You're talking about air? If you have four fans blowing air? No, no, no! That... Are you that hot in Georgia? Is it really hot in Georgia it, right now? Yes, but no! Yeah, man, it's really hot um, over here in California. It's like really hot. So, so Kobe uh, has a question for us. Um, Kobe? Kobe says... A low-budget film distributor, which included Roger Corman, was called American International Pictures, and they published a strategy for what they called the Peter Pan Syndrome for successful movies from 1954 to 1980. The Peter Pan Syndrome states that A. A younger child will watch anything an older child will watch, B. An older child will not watch anything a younger child will watch, and C. A girl will watch anything a boy will watch, D. A boy will not watch anything a girl will watch. Therefore, to catch your greatest audience, you zero in on the 19-year-old male. Has the video game market been influenced by this strategy, and is it still relevant today given the large and diverse crowd it has grown in recent years? Yes, of course it has. Look at the games we have. (laughs) I feel like it's changed. It has changed, but think of the generations that we're built upon, and don't question it. (laughs) (laughs) The whole toy branding of video games did some uh, lasting damage perhaps is gel in your hair in your hair no, looking no, like it's, alfalfa it's, no, it's just because it's been it's tired super and straight back yeah very straight you're gonna make it curly lay, lay flat i can't do some sexy it. pictures but i can look like vegeta <laughs> L- liam is over here power up yeah there you go there. super saiyan and it's <laughs> reminding me of what it was like being a kid watching Dragon Ball Z. He's a badass Mohican. Seemingly. Kid the good old days. Was marketed to boys. Yes. And and a lot of the nerdy girls watched it too. Yeah, and I feel like anime in, in the West didn't have quite <laughs> such like a gendered presentation to it. Kids they were targeting. Yeah. I like Sailor Moon. I feel like a lot more girls grew up to get into anime than into video games when I was growing up. Yeah, and a lot more girls play now. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's almost like uh it's, it's it's a bit shocking to be honest. It's changed. Like every time I like I it's come so regular now that I don't even notice it. But I absolutely remember video games being toys for boys yes. when I was growing up. Yes. And that's the thing is, right? It's like you talk to somebody, uh, you know, a female, if you're well acquainted, and female. they'll talk about, you know, I played N64, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wow, that's amazing, right? Because you think back to when you were a kid, you're like, I didn't know any girls who played N64. But there, of course there was, right? Like whether it was like brothers, consoles or their own. But, you know, it just wasn't a thing because all of the marketing was aimed at boys. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I know that I got into anime because a a dude who was two years older than me was watching it, and I wanted to be as cool as that guy. Yeah, and you they're cool. Older boys are cool. Well, we think they are when we are young. And boys. then you grow up and... And then you grow up and you realize, man, that guy was kind of a douchebag. Yeah. That guy who who was really, really good at Contra and not much else when they were 19 is who I idolized when I was a child. That guy had a couple of good things. He introduced me to anime. He was good at Contra and also gave me free weed. So actually, hats off to that guy. Hats off, man. Hats off. Taran, I love you, man. <laughs> hats out for Taran. Anyways, I feel like one of the things 
that that really fucked me up was that it was a girl that got me into video games in the first place. Whoa, that's awesome. Wait, yeah, what? it was a cousin who gave me some hand-me-down Nintendos as she was growing up. That's, that's really how I cool. I got into it when I was a tiny child. So that stereotype was already broken for me when I was a young, like like five, six year old, first playing video games for the first time. The thought didn't occur to me mm-hmm. that it was a toy for boys. It was more like something I grew into when I was like later on, 11, 12 year old and, and playing more hardcore M rated PC games. Like metal. Did seem more gendered towards boys, specifically than the Nintendo stuff, which seemed like old gender neutral compared. Uh, yeah, because you could play cute, cuddly Kirby, whether you're a boy or a girl, that character is, is just the most attractive thing in the world. Anyways, um, but I, I, I don't mean that in a sexual way. <laughs> Train of thought derailed with that one. <laughs> and I guess that's yeah. where we go. <laughs> Forest C asks our third and final question. Hello, dads. I was playing some multiplayer games this morning, and I've been called a homosexual slur beginning with an F three times in three different games before 10 a.m. What do you think is the root cause of the rhetoric in gaming circles? and other mm. hobbies of mine, people never pull out the slurs. In nearly every setting, yelling at your peers is going to be a discouraged behavior. Why is this such a problem for gamers specifically? I think it's a problem with anonymi- anonymity. And mm-hmm. uh, Say that three times. They can get away with it. Yeah. It's proven that the power of an- anonymity, god damn it, uh, mm-hmm. makes you think differently. Uh, there was a great TV show by Darren Brown back in the day where all the audience were asked to wear masks and they watched a live stream of a dude and they could influence the stuff that happened to him. And they always chose bad things because it's morbid and funny and you don't get blamed for your decisions if nobody knows who you are. And um, I think gaming is weird. It is like a weird, nerdy, dweeby thing, yet the power fantasy male thing that we just discussed is very prevalent. So like that macho fucking fuck you, I'm better than you. Competition. Uh, You know, competition yeah, yeah. about it, right? But, you know. Trad male competition. If you're like that type of person and you then you have the anonymity of being able to say whatever the fuck you want to somebody. You're going to say the most horrible things possible. I don't know. Yeah. Just human nature. It's terrible. We're just talking about this. We're just talking about this. Like, I've been mostly getting some wholesome people on my team in Valorant. You know, sometimes I get like the, you know, the, the, the weird, edgy teenage kid, you know, who's just angry at the world, who just get satisfaction out of making someone else feel bad about their skills or something like that. You know, every once in a while you get that, but, um, I, I'm always, I always try to be nice regardless of what's being said to me. So I just like, and usually, usually it, it just changes the way they, they view like the game, you know, the match and they don't, they don't tend to just attack too much because it's not bothering you. You know, some, some, some people are just nasty. I mean, there's no getting around it. Some people are just like, they're just angry at the world for some reason. I don't know, something going on at home, something going on at school, whatever it is. You know, you just, yeah, it sucks. But yo, 
kill him with kindness, man. Kill him with kindness. Or just don't talk and mute them. That also works too. Tend and when you get rounded up with people, it's not like you have strategy anyway, right? It's not real strategy. It's not like playing with people you know and you don't know. Sometimes, right? But not I think into the top ranks, you tend to get people. Yeah, but I imagine those people care about the game so much that they're not gonna be like that, right? In case of every now and then I send a friend request to someone I get matched up with randomly if they're friendly and good. You can tell, yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It happens. It's uncommon, but I will always remember when I played Halo on Xbox Live, and there was this Scottish guy I got matched up with, who was the most hilarious and helpful Scottish dude I ever had met, and immediately had him on Xbox Live. No idea who or where he was, but I played Halo with him for at least six months after that, and then, yeah, that was interesting. And the other side of it is, I feel that talking shit has died. And I loved mm. talking shit back in the day. Mm. You were one of them. I loved playing Gears. You think it's died? Yeah, I think yeah. it's 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 like it's like a tax now. There's a dif- difference between talking shit and being hurtful. I I would say. Okay, yeah, because I definitely have heard some shit in Hunt Showdown. Bitch ass, you suck, or something like that. Like that's that's talking shit. Like, but when you're saying like, when you like, when you're talking about like, you like, oh, you didn't pass kindergarten. No, no, no. That's talking shit too. Like, so people, people go for your, your jugular, man. Like there are like toxic people who are like consistent abusers, right? Like people in League of Legends, I used to come across who would spam chat with basically just like the most vitriolic stuff, right? Yes. Saying the N word. And then there's people who have like. Let's let's say a gamer moment, right? Like a heat of the anger moment where you're like, dude, you fucking suck. That sucks. What the fuck's wrong with you? That I think is like, I don't know, maybe okay. But like in terms of the language that's used in this by Forrest, yeah. right? Is like that is not on that. It's kind of more, I think, on the vitriolic toxic side. I think streaming has changed a lot of how the online Forgetting Dr. Disrespect, because that dude's just a fucking douchebag, right? Like, (laughs) the actual level of the way streaming is, obviously, because of the rules on Twitch and because of these heated gamer moments. You know, you see top streamers and they're playing and they're not able to be angry, right? They get angry and they're like, God, fuck, this sucks, right? But they're not able to be vitriolic and disgusting, which they most likely might have been, right? It seems to come with the streamer brand. But... I think that influences the people who are watching, who tend to be people who play online multiplayer games. And the language they're going to be using is going to be the language that is used by the streamer. And I think, you know, the, the more neutral the streamer is, or maybe the less, you know, they get angry, which, you know, Dr. to stick Disrespect with it. is pretty popular. Pretty popular. I've been getting... Yeah. And he's just a massive dick. He's just a dick. And I think that's what draws people to him, right? I've watched some videos with him, like just being normal, like because he's, it's a persona that he's putting. Yeah, on. but no, like I get it, but and yes, I get I, that, but I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, I understand half, what you're saying. Half of him right. is half of that character, and there's no way he's he's he is a prick, right? Hands yeah. up, like I'm gonna be talk about that guy because the way he acts influences like how it's not like a movie. 
It's him acting like all the other streamers, which are real people doing real things. It's hard for a lot of people to draw the line between Dr. Disrespect being a, quote, persona fake character and a real streamer who you tune into and like, well, you know, Guy Beam, Dr. Disrespect speaks like this angry, aggressive calling Chinese people. Or, or someone like Shroud, which Shroud yeah. doesn't, doesn't fucking talk shit, doesn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. He complains right? a little bit, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think one weird dimension to this is that because of my social hangups and introversion and stuff, I have a really hard time telling the difference between talking shit and shit talk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like Matt was saying earlier, the difference between talking shit and the jugular bite, I think, might be harder for me to tell than most normal people in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've talked shit to you many times and you're like, yeah. oh, and I'm like, George, no, I'm joking. Yeah. What What do you mean? I'm not a sore loser at all. Yeah, you're That's definitely totally what a that sore was loser. About. No, you're, I'm not. Shut up. You're a toxic <laughs> sore loser. That's how bad it is. No, fuck toxic. you. No, I'm not. Super I lose fine. Toxic, I'm so fucking good at losing that you guys are never going to see me it's win at anything speech, again. But over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll remember those Soul Calibur matches and that Smash forever. Oh yeah. Especially yeah, well, no I'm going to remember no I'm going to remember beating Matt at dive kick for two whole days straight. That was a good time, man. That was a fucking good time. <laughs> and he remembers it wrong. He remembers winning, but he didn't win at all. There you go. Now you question it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it felt like something was it's missing. It's like the the capture the flag game we played with Titanfall. Too and just oh, what are you talking about? That capture the flag game was such wholesome fun. Everyone loved it. I could hear George's depression banging at the door. It was it was <laughs> so so nice being on the the team where we couldn't get anything done. Can't fucking do this. And like one guy, I can't you were remember holding who it was. everyone from falling below the 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 leaderboard. You know the scoreboard. You know you're right yeah, there. Exactly. The bomb being the it's, it's the fun of the game that counts. <laughs> the best was there was just one guy. I can't remember who it was, but one guy was just like, "No, George, we can do it." You know, if we do this, and George was like, "No, it's impossible. We can't do this." You like, have to push together <laughs> with all your titans. You can't keep solo running but you see lewis like, 47 was in there like doing it by himself dude he was the only one who got through us wasn't he's was the only one because we were right? camping you guys good oh, was that your team, I, think? <laughs> you, you, I think it's time to end the episode <laughs> i think it's time to thank you all for listening and to have a wonderful day <laughs> And to, to check out Ryan Lafford for more music and, and, and Henry Ying for, for more background art. Join the Patreon. Uh, links are in the description. I'm going to be streaming soon, guys. <gasps> I, I would love to. You're going to be so good at that, honey. You are. I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. If I fail, I fail. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try it out. No, you're going to fly high. You have the looks, you have the voice, God knows you have the equipment and the <laughs> And God expertise. knows you probably have the skills as well out of the three of us. I got some of... free time, so I want to use it to, you know, if Yeet I'm going to play games, fools. I might as well play games in front of people <laughs> and talk to people and stuff. Because I've been Spread enjoying in the Discord and talking to everyone and, yeah. So. See that? My, my fellow Americans. <laughs> 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 to know what to substitute that with, I guess. Um, 
if see if you are not in this patreon <laughs> discord look it's convinced matt to stream again that is the power of this discord you are missing I've been thinking about streaming for a while <laughs> it is the power to bring back matt <laughs> ignore what he just said it pushed him over the edge and now we have matt back live on twitch eventually this week this week by next this week, week He'll say his career is over after a heated gamer <laughs> moment on Valorant. <laughs> <laughs> after some kid calls me calls me uh, a hard R, and I'm just gonna yeah. be like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Twitch band. <laughs> Twitch band. Get your revenge it. by filming him in the bathroom. All right, quick question. Quick question before we end the episode. I was we were when we were talking about Doctor Disrespect. I actually have a thought of like exactly how clean are you supposed to be? Because I'm a grown man, you know. A couple curse words are going to come out, but I I do know that kids watch. Yeah, but you're not gonna be racist, right? And like, no, what the? You're fuck? on. You're on a podcast every week where we talk about shit, right? Like, we swear, yeah. we diss stuff. But I think with Doctor Disrespect, and I think the problem is with the audience that is drawn to who he is, right? Because he's like this. Let's be honest, he's kind of like the South Park of the day, right? He's controversial, but the problem with him is that he's controversial in like the ways that don't learn. He's, you know, he's. I think he got banned on Twitch because the last thing he was talking about was like Corona fucking conspiracies and like David Icke. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want the kids wearing a mask. The final video, he's like talking about David Icke, who is literally a fucking nut job. And like, some of this shit's good. Everybody should read in this. And he's got like half a million people watching. And you're like, no, don't tell me to, to read David Icke to half a million people. A soccer player? No, he, he, yeah, but like he became like a conspiracy nut job. He's super famous really? in the UK for being an absolute tool of a man. And you know, 5G conspiracies and coronavirus like conspiracies. And when you have an audience that big, it's so irresponsible. Like, I combine that with, you know, him being a cheater and also a racist, you know, in the past <laughs> and filming in people's toilets. He doesn't learn. Wait, and it's what? Ever- he was a racist and he filmed in toilets? He was racist about a Chinese guy and was like racist oh, okay. on stream. And then. Well, he... I mean, Trump does that, so it's okay. But that's the thing, right? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. fuck everything. Oh, what a stupid timeline to live. Oh, God. He literally says it multiple times in press conferences, and people literally do not think that guy's racist. Trump obviously does it, but Trump doesn't <laughs> say the words that Dr. Disrespect did in terms of like when he oh, really? got shot. Like, you know, worse typical, than the Kung flu, huh? You know, typical. Jesus Christ, man. Typical, I have Asian friends and they get like hassled on the streets. Fuck them. I have an Asian friend whose parents had to like close down the restaurant for a little while because of wow. this shit. Yeah, like these people who li- whose livelihoods are at stake out of the. the anti-asian racism going on these days love each other hug each other come join the patreon for us to love you back yeah yeah (laughs) positivity right i'm sorry i brought it down that's my fault (laughs) and we're out of here same as every week come and join us for the love and fun dancers